Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser, and we are still at CES, Alan. Oh, yes, we are. It may never end. <laughs> Well, we've got a terrific guest with us now, the Senior Director of Automotive at NVIDIA, Danny Shapiro. Thanks for being back with us, Danny. It's great to be here, guys. And you have been busy, a busy, busy man here at CES, uh, starting, I guess, with with an effort with the National Safety Council, an effort called PAVE. That's right. It's the Partners for Automated Vehicle Education. We're one of the founding members. Um, a whole variety of different auto companies, tech companies, and other public interest groups are um, forming a coalition to really centralize, to collaborate, to have common language, and really help educate the public of what's happening with automated vehicles today, um, what the reality is, and what the future holds, and help people understand the benefits of the technology as well. Yeah, the, the, a lot of people are concerned about, in some parts of the country, the the public reaction to this, and it probably stems from a lot of misunderstanding. Absolutely. I think the the goal, of course, here is to save lives, to make our roads safer. That's what we're doing with this technology, and there are just, it's a tragedy of what happens on our roads today, and I don't know if people realize that, and then the positive uh, effect of bringing all these different types of of life-saving technologies to market um, are enormous, and so that's really the, the purpose of the coalition. Basically, Every technology company, every car company um, that's part of this and beyond is working with NVIDIA using our NVIDIA Drive solution. So we're at the epicenter here, and we feel an obligation to really help um, promote the technology and the positive effects. And the limitations, too. There are limitations today, so we want people to understand what the technology can deliver today and to use it properly. Now, perhaps not everybody understands exactly what NVIDIA is doing in this space. Uh, they, they know of you as uh, the company that makes the, the great graphics for, for gaming, et cetera. But that technology has led you to this, I suppose. Absolutely. So even at, at the beginning of CES, uh, our CEO, Jensen Huang, uh, unveiled all kinds of new gaming technologies. That's a big part of our company. That core technology, the GPU, the parallel processing, the supercomputing behind it, Um, the fact that we are the leader in artificial intelligence, all of those core technologies are leveraged beyond gaming into many different industries, into healthcare, um, into energy exploration. uh, And what we're doing is taking that technology and building supercomputers to drive cars. So we we have a, a whole product line called NVIDIA Drive, and that is what is at the heart of so many different projects. So in our booth, you see all the, the top tier ones from, um, from ZF and Continental and Bosch, Vianeer, and even in, in China, Desai, are using NVIDIA Drive to create systems um, that will handle all different levels of autonomy. And what we announced at the show then is that Continental and ZF are working on a new solution, what we call Level 2 Plus. And so this goes beyond the traditional Level 2 ADAS which frankly is not performing that well. If you look at consumer reports, you look at the IIHS studies, um, a lot of these premium vehicles um, from car makers all over the world are not staying in the lanes. They're not able to pass all the emergency braking tests. And so the 
root of the problem is they don't have the sensors on these vehicles and they don't have the compute horsepower um, on board. And so what we've developed with our NVIDIA Drive Autopilot is a, the world's first commercially available level two plus system. ZF and Continental announced it will uh, start production next year. And so this is a way that we're gonna bring higher levels of autonomy technology into mainstream vehicles in the form of like supervised self-driving and driver assist. Well, that's that's really important. I mean, one of the things I've complained about in, in smart driving cars is this uh, automated emergency braking system. There just wasn't enough intelligence behind it to really deal with the false alarms uh, associated with stationary objects in the lane ahead. And, you know, with putting the additional uh, compute power behind it and the intelligence behind it, then, then this greatly improves the, the performance of these things. And it's, it's great having you in there. And what's, what's really, to me, most interesting, or maybe not most, but very interesting about NVIDIA, you know, the, 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 maybe the, the core technology is NVIDIA is artificial reality, right? And, uh, and, and uh, this virtual reality that, that, that's in, in there. And guess what? The, the, the way to make all these systems really work is through simulation. So the basic tools that you've been developing in gaming are fundamental building blocks to creating an environment to be able to, to really sit there and, and test these things, put it through a variational analysis, uh, sensitivity analysis, uh, to get the robustness of these systems. So, uh, And you're demonstrating it here, and I, I was really excited to see that. Yeah, that's right. So in addition to the autopilot, which is able to do highway on-ramp to off-ramp driving, um, lane merges, lane splits, lane changes, all those kinds of, of features from a really advanced um, system. Uh, we're also showing Drive Constellation, and that's the, the simulator that you discussed. So this is a cloud-based or data center-based solution. Uh, has two servers. One is the image generator, the simulator, and the outputs of that where we simulate cameras, radar, LIDAR signals, gets fed into the NVIDIA Drive system that actually would go into a vehicle, but it's driving on these virtual roads and making all the decisions. So we can do full hardware in the loop testing of that. And then we're, we're showing, it's really an open platform, so we can bring in other people's HD maps. Um, you can bring in environments. Uh, you can build out any kind of scenarios. We can script it. We can have basically a database of, of driving scenes, hazards, corner cases and test against this, validate our system over hundreds of thousands, millions, even billions of miles of virtual driving. And then the other great thing is, like you said, we can change things. We can um, modify the time of day. We can modify the weather. We can modify, again, traffic patterns. And we can just exhaustively go through all these different cases to make sure that not just do we get it right, but we never get it wrong. Right, and, and then that it, it almost isn't the number of miles that you do because in some sense some of these things happen over a very short distance, <coughs> over a very short time frame, but the variations of those things is really great. So in some sense, over a short number of miles, but enormous number of scenarios to be able to make sure that, that you have the, the sensitivity, the flexibility, the robustness to be able to handle these uh, the variations in the corner cases is really how we're going to get to a... Uh, the safety that really PAVE is, uh, is focused on achieving. That's right. I think the, um, the, you hit the nail on the head. It's not purely miles, but it, it's scenarios. And so we, um, we, again, can test 
dangerous things in the virtual world that you would never want to subject you, you, you to couldn't, humans. You couldn't. You probably couldn't even do it in the real world. So I mean, that, that's that's the beauty of it. And you can see the limitations, and you can see that hey, we're not going to get between this rock and this hard place, and, and we're gonna we're gonna do things before we get that. And so that's. That's what I'm, and, and it's it's your core, it's the core of, of NVIDIA, it's the whole darn thing from the beginning, which is to me is, I mean, I've said for some time that the, the folks that should be doing this this uh, virtual worlds and this testing worlds is people who have been doing it for whatever other reasons, because you know how to do that. Terrific. Danny, uh, another thing that, you, you know, that you've been uh, talking about here is an expanded partnership with, with Daimler. Tell us a bit about that. That's right. So yesterday we uh, announced with Daimler um, a whole new vehicle architecture is being developed. And so, as you know, there's more than 100 ECUs in, in modern cars today, and it's just not su sustainable moving forward. There's so much um, development going on, and the future car is software-defined. And so what we announced with Mercedes-Benz um, is the, the work we've done with them over the last years on MBUX, that's the Mercedes-Benz user experience. This is the AI cockpit. Um, you can talk to your car, hey Mercedes, and um, all the interaction is, um, again, part of things coming from the cloud and being processed in the car and making it interactive in a new way. So NVIDIA is at the heart of MBUX. We've been working with them on that. We also have a separate effort that's part of the work between uh, Mercedes and Bosch and now NVIDIA for robo-taxi deployment. And actually that will go into trials later this year in Silicon Valley. Tell us a little more about that. Well, there's, there's not a lot of details yet that have been shared, but essentially um, they're using our NVIDIA Drive AGX Pegasus, so that's our high-end uh, configuration. It has two of our Xavier SOCs. It has two of our highest-performing GPUs. Um, so this AI supercomputer delivers 320 trillion operations per second. So it's an amazing supercomputer designed for robo-taxis. And so there will be more coming on this uh, later this year, but uh, the initial trials will be um, in the summertime in Silicon Valley. But so the announcement with Daimler now is taking the MBUX technology, the robo-taxi technology we're developing, and merging those together into a centralized architecture for the next generation of Mercedes passenger vehicles. And so it'll be this AI inside the car and AI outside the car for integration of self-driving plus AI co-pilot features. Now, 2018, uh, in this whole space, the, the self-driving space, 2018, I guess we could call it really a mixed bag. So many advancements, so many new kinds of uh, testing taking place, but yet at the end of the year, felt kind of down. People uh, were, were not really enthusiastic about maybe what the future was looking like. What's your assessment? Here we are 2019 of what lies ahead, what the big challenges are. You know, it, it's still, it, it's, it's a long road that we're traveling down. Um, we're trying to do something really, really hard, right? One of the hardest things maybe ever. Um, that's what NVIDIA loves, right? We always find the most difficult, most challenging problems, and that's what our engineers love working on. We're solving problems that have never been solved before. And I think as an industry, um, everyone's working towards this, these great goals. There's so many amazing benefits of self-driving cars. Um, but it's, it's taking longer, I think, than a lot of people expected. I think it requires a lot more computational horsepower than people initially realized. It's going to require more software. So we're still we're working hard on it. We're making a lot of great progress. We have so many customers at so many different levels that are doing great work. 
again, from car makers to truck makers to delivery services to robo-taxi and ride-sharing companies. Um, and I think what we're trying to do is, is bring the technology to market as soon as we can, but we want to ensure it's safe. That's the key thing, making sure it's safe. And so by taking what we see as level four technology and bringing it down into a level two plus offering, we're going to recognize a lot of those benefits sooner. And for people who don't want to talk about the levels, explain more about what you mean. Well, so again, le level four being you know highly automated driving where the, the driver doesn't have to be engaged and do anything. And so there's a lot of regulatory issues around this today. We, and we, haven't, we haven't solved um, that side of it yet. And so that's going to potentially slow down any kind of deployments. So we still see a lot of benefits from the technology, full surround sensors, AI with lots of deep neural nets processing the information to ensure that that car and the occupants and the people around it are safe. And so that's what we're doing with our level two plus is again, uh, amazing, you know, we'll call it driver assistance system, but it can do supervised self-driving and it will be able to handle, like I mentioned, all these highway modes, on-ramp to off-ramp, and merging, and lane splits, and monitoring the blind spots, and, and keeping everybody safe. So the, the idea of people who are wowed now when they back out of their driveway, and they've got the lines on the screen, and it's so easy to back out without hitting anything. The message is kind of is, that, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Absolutely. Yes, and I, I think the, the slowdown is, is uh, appropriate. Uh, safety is an absolutely necessary condition in this. If it's not safe, it's not going anywhere, everybody loses. I mean, and so the fact that, that people are taking um, a deep breath here and going back and, and ensuring that, uh, you know, we had one screw up in 2018, we can't have another one. And so uh, making sure that we don't have another one is um, is really important. And the, the end game, so to speak, of what this is going to mean for mobility and societal changes is too important not to push ahead. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's for the, as we're trying to do in Central Jersey, it's mobility for the mobility disadvantaged. And, you know, and really, you know, an important piece of that are the economically disadvantaged and, and the improvement in the quality of life of, of some people who have been really left behind because they've been, in some sense, stuck in their neighborhoods, stuck in their homes, stuck in the whatever, and can't even get to a, a you know, $15 an hour job at an Amazon facility in Titus in, 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 in near the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, in, in New Jersey, uh, you know, that could feed their family. I mean, that, that to me is the real opportunity of these Dan, Dan, before we let you go, tell us how your team at NVIDIA, how that's evolved in terms of the, the growth of the, of the team and, and, and what NVIDIA is putting into this effort. Yeah, we have thousands of people globally working on self-driving technology. I mean, initially this was probably a pretty small group. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was a, a startup essentially within NVIDIA and it's grown to a major part of our development effort and global teams in, uh, in many locations throughout the U.S. In, uh, in Silicon Valley, in Detroit, in New Jersey as we've talked right. about, um, as well as globally in, in China, in Japan, in Germany. We have teams throughout Europe and we work very closely with our automotive partners, the tier ones, as well as, as the OEMs, the car makers and the truck makers. Because again, this is not just us making a product and selling it, but there's a lot of collaboration with, with Mercedes-Benz. We're going to have 
our engineers working hand in hand with their engineers to architect and develop these systems. So it's a, it's a huge effort, it's long term, we're dedicated, committed, and we continue to make great strides every year. We're really looking forward to 2019. Well, congratulations on, on what you're doing and so much more to come. Absolutely. Thank you. Great having you and uh, hope to have you again at Smart Driving Car Summit in May, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Consumer Electronics Show has been great. A lot of things to see. And one of the things that people are paying attention to is something called Ollie, created by Local Motors here at CES. And with us is Curtis Hodge with the product management team. Thanks for joining us, Curtis. It's a pleasure to be here. For folks who aren't familiar with Local Motors and Ollie, give us a little background. Sure. So Local Motors is an American company, and we consider ourselves the first digital OEM. So what we do is we design, build, and sell vehicles using a very unique process that's two-pronged. The first part of that process is a process called co-creation. We have an online uh, community of about 200,000 people at launchforth.com where we put out open innovation challenges to them to co-design new, new vehicle innovations. And then we, then we build those innovations in something called a micro factory, which is a small local factory that's about the size of a Walmart. And inside that factory, we have a new type of manufacturing equipment called direct digital manufacturing, which involves large-scale 3D printing and milling, allowing us to build cars without a traditional assembly line. 3D printed vehicles. And these are we're talking about autonomous vehicles, we should say, right? That's right. And the Ollie is a smart automated fully 3D printed electric shuttle that we are rolling out into pilot programs uh, globally right now in the United States, in Australia, in Asia, as well as in the Nordics in Europe. Really exciting. Here in the U.S., where are you working? So we're working at the University of Buffalo in uh, Sacramento, California, and Phoenix, Arizona, with two upcoming pilot programs at Sacramento State University and a campus called EVIT in Phoenix area, as well as some other future programs that are coming up in the near term that aren't publicly released yet. And describe the vehicles for us. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty cool looking. And how many, and tell us how many passengers they're capable of holding, et cetera. Sure. So Ollie is a low-speed shuttle, uh, holds up to 12 passengers in the current iteration. We're also considering other future form factors uh, for different types of mobility and experiences that you might have inside the vehicle in the future. And actually at the show today, we're showcasing a new iteration of Ollie that's fully 3D printed. And what that allows us to do is a high degree of customization around the vehicle's form factor, its size, as well as the unique, unique uh, user experience features that the vehicle has. Yeah, what are those unique features? Uh, th so we have on board um, kind of a, a lounge-like experience in the inside of the vehicle and something as well called the Tower of Knowledge, which is an interactive display on the interior and exterior of the vehicle, allowing uh, users to actually directly interact with the vehicle. So in the first iteration of Ollie, we really focused on um, getting people from point A to B, and now we're focused also on reimagining or reinventing the ride that you have while you're driving in a fully automated vehicle. Why is that important? Because uh, we think that we want to uh, look beyond what's just happening in getting point A to B. We're trying to um, reimagine what these mobility experiences will be like for the end user. And part of our business model or concept, uh, going back to the name of the business, is local motors. So we want to be able to develop and customize unique mobility solutions to match the flavor of the environment that we're offering uh, and operating in. Anything from a 
more public transit oriented vehicle all the way up to a very user experienced fo focused vehicle that might be at an amusement park or an entertainment site. Well, I think it's very uh, important. I think um, respect for these vehicles in the in the environment in which they deliver their mobility is a really important one, and uh, that respect is a, is not a respect that that an outsider is going to enforce on the community in which it operates, but in fact is generated by and comes from that community. And therefore, in some sense, the vehicle should be designed by the community as you're doing. Great to hear. We, we definitely think that in this new landscape, the design of vehicles is going to be shifting from maybe a national or continental scale down to a local mobility landscape and involving those end users, um, both from the city side as well as the actual operator and user side is pretty key to um, help focus on public engagement in these uh, early stages of the technology. I, I think that that's uh, you know critically important because again, as I said, um, as I said, it's the it's the local respect that's important. Uh, even if you put it in an airport, I mean, we're looking to do this in Mercer County Airport. I mean, it's important what the what the airport sees itself to be able to serve its customers, and now to be able to then say that the mobility system is going to fit in with that vision of the experience that you want and and and, and care, so that the the, the customer respects and and, and appreciates uh, the mobility that's being provided. So the business model, describe it for us, uh, Curtis. Is it you stay involved with these vehicles after you build them uh, in terms of the the operations, or is it in the hands of whoever is is uh, operating the airport, for instance? That's a great question. I think unlike traditional OEMs of the past, there's always going to be a, a continued involvement uh, with these vehicles. We're thinking about kind of the, the overall life cycle of these vehicles. So it's not just kind of a set it and forget it type relationship. We want to maintain and then potentially upgrade or recycle these vehicles in the future. Um, given the heavier utilization, we, we may see the vehicles um, have a shorter lifespan. So we want to constantly uh, think about a more cradle-to-cradle -cradle process uh, when we're thinking of designing new vehicles in the future. So uh, eventually it would be a, sort of a contractual thing that some you know, these entities would, would contract with, with local motors to bring their service and vehicles all in one package? So we're seeing a couple different models emerging. People are, are buying these fleets of vehicles and operating them directly, and other people are looking for more of that service-oriented model. And I think that the market's going to decide in the long term which model shakes out. And you're flexible with either? Yes, we are. We're uh, working to build strong partnerships with different uh, mobility operators globally in different strategic regions, so they're going to be a critical um, partner for us when we deploy OLLI. Well, uh, I think it's a real, um, a real uh, factor in, in, in your progression of the company and, and the opportunity to do that. Uh, these are, again, mobility machines, and they need to be put to work. Uh, but, of course, they have technology associated with them and, um, and in a sense, uh, need an expertise uh, to, to basically uh, help them along. So um, I think you're looking to provide both. That's very true. Well, congratulations on, on what you're doing there at Local Motors and uh, exciting stuff here at CES. Where can folks who are listening go to, to learn more about you? So they can find us on our website at www.localmotors.com. Curtis Hodge, thanks for taking the time to join us.
Thank you so much. Enjoy CES. Uh, we're trying. <laughs> What's not to enjoy? That's it for this special edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Stay tuned for more from CES. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.